0: Our loving Father, again, as we spend this just a moment of time that we have here together, I just pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will reach into our hearts and, and talk to us. Let us see the importance that we things that we need to see. Guide us now as a group and all over this campus, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And I want to show you something here. This is, you find this in the... In the um, basically, it's chapter 7 of Matthew. Now, what, you're, what I want you to see is how the sanctuary really is a thread that runs through the Scriptures. And if you understand the sanctuary, the Scriptures that you're reading will make more sense. And I'm going to give you... A, um, you remember when Jesus says, "'Beware of false prophets"? Remember when Jesus says this, He says, um, there will be people who will come and do things in His name, and this sort of thing, and He says, not everyone who says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, you find this recorded in, in, in the book of Matthew chapter 7. But I want to read to you um, verse 21. It says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And the reason why I want to bring this out is this, because this, you will find that the ones who do God's will are going to enter the kingdom of heaven, right? So here we have this statement being made. Then he goes on to say, many will say in that day. When you see the word that day, you don't have an idea what that's talking about. Yeah. That last, the the very end, that day. Many will say in that day, right? He'll say this. um, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Do you know when you, see, when you share... This is what's really, really interesting. Do you know that the 2300 days is a prophecy? Do you know that we prophesy when we talk about it? Yeah. He says, many of you will say in that day, Lord, Lord, we have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them... Now, by the way, these three words... Are the saddest words. Because we're talking about people who are doing God's work, right? Prophesying, casting out devils. And they're going to say, I never knew you. Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. There's, There's room in here. Yeah. I never knew you. And so what I want to share with you is this. The next verse is this. It says here in verse 24. It says, Depart from me. Ye that work iniquity. Now, verse twenty-four. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, and doeth them, will I liken unto a wise man which built his house upon a what? That should already open your mind to many different things. Wise men. Where do you have wise men? And um, what do you have wise and foolish? That's uh, yeah, you do in the Proverbs, but in particular, there's one in 25. ah twenty five, Matthew twenty five says the wise men the there the, were the, the, the wise virgins and there was the foolish virgins, right? So the wise virgins are the ones that receive the Holy Spirit, right? And the other ones do not. So here's the one clue. But what about rock? What's the rock? What, what do you think about when you think of a rock? Christ. Christ, Christ is that rock. What do you think about when you think of a house? Church. You're a house. So he like who that does the will of mine will I liken into a wise man that built his house upon the rock? Okay, winds. What are winds? Come on now, strife. strife. Okay, when the winds and the rain. What's the rain? Latter, rain? Latter rain. See, when these things start to take place, what happens to that house that's on the rock? That's the one who listens and does the will of the Father. That's the doer of the Word. But he goes on to say, But the foolish man is one that does what? Built his house where? Upon the sand. Brothers and sisters, the sanctuary message is all through the Scriptures. You see, God is not different. He's the same everywhere, yesterday and tomorrow. The Scriptures that I just read to you here tells you, And I, as a sanctuary, we better make sure we're founded upon the rock. Because there's going to be the time of trouble, is there not? And that time of trouble comes, and the winds descend, and the floods come, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. Foolish man, the rain descends, and the floods come, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Turn to Matthew chapter 25. Okay, we're not going to read what you think we're going to read. We're going to go with verse 31. Okay, now this one here is describing his second coming. Now, by the way, if you want to do a study, study of Matthew, look at all the parables he's given. They're all talking about his second coming. You get a rounded picture, guys, of what it's going to take. They're all saying the same thing. But in a different way so you can understand it better here we got one in Matthew 31 then the son of man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him that, that I'm sorry then shall he set upon his throne of glory and before him shall be gathered all nations so what time is this when would this be this, this, this is the end this is the second coming and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divide his what? His sheep from where? All right. Here you have an illustration of the scriptures. That, that's sanctuary talk again. You will find out that a goat is a symbol of... Well, if you read on it, I'm not going to go ahead and read on but read on for yourself. It talks about the, the sheep are set on the right hand and they go to live and reign with God. The goats, on the other hand, are set on the left hand and they're thrown where the devil and his angels are thrown, Right? So the goat is not... You don't want to be a goat, okay? You want to be a sheep, okay? So here you have the illustration of the sheep. Sheep is a symbol of Christ, and we are to be His children, right? In His likeness. There's one more chair over here. So what I'm going to share with you is this, that the goat is a symbol of sin. Did you know in the sanctuary you have goats in the sanctuary? That's kind of odd because the goat would represent, if it represents sin, who would you say would be the one that represents, who would, if Jesus is this lamb, and we are to be like Him, the lamb represents Christ, therefore, come on in, come on in, the lamb represents Christ, so therefore, we are sheep, right? All right. But Christ is the, the lamb. So who do you think the goat would represent? Ah, but yet in the sanctuary, the goat is representing Christ. You see? Now, here comes the dilemma. You see, you have a goat that represents Satan being brought into the sanctuary. In fact, you have two goats being brought in. They're brought to the sanctuary, and on the Day of Atonement, okay, they're brought in. So they cast lots because they've got to determine something. If they're representing... If the goat is a symbol of sin, representing the symbol of Satan, but one of them is not going to be Satan. You see, he that, come on now, he that knew no sin became no sin. sin for us. You see that? So Jesus never sinned, but he became sin. So reality is this: you have two goats. One of them's Christ and one I'm Satan, you can't tell the difference. Do you see what Christ did in our behalf? You see, sin is that bad. That's why the priest had to cast lots, because only God could know which one represents Christ and which one doesn't. They couldn't decide. So he cast lots. He says, that's my son. He did not sin, but he became sin for you and me. So they cast lots. And that's the one that is killed in the courtyard and the blood is taken into the sanctuary. The other goat is not killed. It's left out of the door of the sanctuary to be led away by a fit man after the sanctuary is cleansed. So therefore, that goat that was not slain in the courtyard, that goat that was taken out to, into the wilderness, that goat is going to be dealt with, and that's Satan himself, will be dealt with after sin is dealt with in heaven, after the judgment's over and the sanctuary is cleansed in heaven, then that goat will be dealt with. You see what I'm talking about? How the symbols of the sanctuary are so important? Do you know that you can now, because you know this about this goat, if you understand that that goat is a symbol of Satan, you understand that goat here is being let out by a fit man? Did you know it wasn't been let out by a priest? Isn't that interesting? The priest didn't lead him out. He said, a fit man. Can you imagine who that fit man might be? Do you know it could be you? Did you know that? When you don't listen to him anymore, the 144,000, see? See where that comes in? You see why it's so important for us to understand the sanctuary? Because it opens the whole Bible up, does it not? Now, I'm going to take you from the beginning. I told you I was going to go through some symbols this hour, so we're going to do it. The gate here. The gate is the very entrance of the sanctuary, and it has no back door, okay? And the idea is you're going to move in. If you look at the process of the sanctuary, it's dealing with a movement in. You weren't supposed to come back out, okay? You're going in to be in God's presence. Now remember, when God created Adam and Eve, God could walk right up to them and talk to them face to face, right? Mm-hmm. But when sin came in, you can't because think about it. Sin in the presence of God, what will happen? we Will die. So God out of His love and mercy for us, He separates us by the three veils. You see what's happening here? He separates us by the, the veil, the door and the gate. Then He sends down His Son to this earth, Right? At the gate, when the sinner was coming, there was a priest standing there looking. Remember the prodigal son? Looking for his son. The priest was there waiting for that sinner to come in. Jesus comes to this earth, and Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Jesus says, I am that gate. Nobody goes to the Father but by who? In other words, I'm the one that's going to take you to the Father, okay? Now look what David says in Psalms 100, verse 4. He says this, Enter into His gates with what? With Singing, and in His courts with praise, okay? So we, we have enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and in His courts with praise, okay? So David understood there was a reason for coming inside of here. So we're going to look at that reason really quickly here. Now, have you ever heard the expression, we need to go to the foot of the cross? I mean, it's a, it's, it's a, it was a pretty good expression. In my day, it was used a lot. I don't know if it's not used in your day, but let me share with you this. Go to the foot of the cross. When you go to the foot of the cross, you recognize who's on the, the cross. It's Jesus. Now, I want you to imagine with me that right here, there was placed a cross. Okay? The cross is on the east side of the sanctuary because the gate, the gate always faced the east. And there was a sun that would come up and it would rise up and travel east to west. Now, that's Mother Nature, right? That's the direction we are to travel. Now in the last session, we'll talk about how people are reversing that travel today. Okay? In present truth. Yes? I thought you said earlier it was on the north. They took the lamb to the north side. The, the lamb was killed on the north side of the sanctuary, right here, but the gate was here on the, on the east. Okay, Sorry about that. Sometimes, if you guys catch me doing something that's not, just ask the question, because sometimes, like I said, my mind goes faster than what I can say. But anyways, you have the gate on the east, and you have the cross sitting there, and you notice the shadow behind me? That cross would cast a shadow on the ground, would it not? If that sun sh- hit that cross, it would, go, it would cast a shadow. You will notice the furniture, they line up in exactly that. You have the, the, the sanctuary the, and you have, the, I mean, sorry, the altar sacrifice, the labor. Then here you have the, the table of showbread along with the candlesticks, the arms of the cross, okay? Now, that's the path that you and I need to be on. Now, I'm going to give you some very, very important information here because I could touch upon your life today as well as mine and what I'm going to say next. You see, that's the only way I can go in to, to the Father is through that pathway to God's throne is through the sanctuary. That's the only way I can get to the Father. And as I come in, there's, there's, there's going to be right here in front of this piece of furniture on the ground, there's going to be a pile of ashes. Now, Psalms talks about this. Remember when, when they were David um, was talking about, the in the book of Psalms, he was talking about how they were... Why is the wicked always seem to prosper? Then he goes in the sanctuary and he sees that pile of ashes. He didn't worry anymore, did he? That's the end of them. See, that pile of ashes was right there and it was placed there as you moved inside. So the first thing that you would see is a pile of ashes. So in your mind, now the only reason why you're coming here, guys, you would not come unless you wanted to be separated from your sin, okay? So keep that in mind. So you come in and you say to yourself, that's what's going to happen to me unless I do what I'm coming to do, separate the sin from me. So as I would move in, this piece of furniture will be the next piece of furniture I have to go through. That piece of furniture has to do with fire, now, Acts chapter 2, okay? Acts chapter 2 is going to be the modern day example of what I'm going to tell you about it in the 40th chapter of Exodus, okay? Now, Exodus chapter 40, the last two verses, the last three verses, it says this that after they finished making the sanctuary, it was completely finished, they, God says, I want you to set it up in that day. So they set it up in one day, okay? Then Moses and Aaron, they come to the sanctuary. The people gather on the outside of the sanctuary. They're there because God says this, Make me a sanctuary and I'm going to go dwell with you, right? Look what happens. The sanctuary is finished. Now God says, I'm going to dwell with you. So here you have Moses and Aaron here and the people on the outside. So everybody's watching. They place the lamb upon the altar of sacrifice but they did not bring the fire. You see? There was a cloud that they were under. Remember, they're following that cloud. Out of that cloud, because out, out of God, comes this fire down, and it consumes the sacrifice. They were told in Leviticus never to let that fire go out, Leviticus chapter 6. So therefore, that fire was never to go out. In other words, what I'm trying to say is this. The priest gathered wood and kept this fire burning 24 hours a day and it kept, they kept this wood burning for four, uh, 478 years. Because the next time we find it happening is at Solomon's temple. And it goes through the same motion. The fire comes from heaven again and consumes the sacrifice. But you know, the temple, that represents this temple too. When you read about that temple, anytime you read about that temple, know this, that what takes place in this temple has to take place in all of them because this temple is nothing more than a shadow of the one in heaven. You see? And we are a temple. So look at Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 talks about the disciples. Now Jesus is already raised from the dead. Remember before He was raised from the dead, they argued over who was going to be number one, right? They were arguing over that position, sitting on his right hand and the left hand. They they were not of one accord there. In fact, the, the other disciples got angry at those other two for saying those things. Now, you find when Jesus comes, Jesus opens their eyes on that lamb. He goes through that service of the sanctuary with them. He lets them see that he was supposed to die. So for those 40 days that Jesus is there, then you find what happens next is Jesus goes to heaven and he says I want you to go wait for something. Now this should mean something to you because this is referring to what should happen to us. He says wait for something. They went to the upper room. They got to the point where they put aside all their differences. There was nothing between them anymore. Then it was time. They're ready now. The Pentecost comes. The outpouring of that Spirit came upon the disciples. The same way the illustrates here in this sanctuary. Fire comes down and consumes the sacrifice. Then you see God's glory fills the temple. In that upper room, fire comes from heaven. Read it. In the form of cloven tongues upon the head of the disciples. And God's glory filled their temple because they went out and preached... And 3,000 people joined the church in that one day. You know what's interesting about this? That was the early rain. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit is going to come pretty soon, guys. The latter rain's about to take place upon us, His people. But the temples need to be ready. You see what I'm saying? Our temples need to be ready so we can have that Spirit poured out upon His people. You see? And it's going to be a huge time for God's people. Because more people will join the church than did back then. So now, there's an illustration of how you and I need to be ready for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I'm going to give you a few more. The sanctuary, the fire here, represents the Holy Spirit. So let's think that through. The altar of sacrifice. The altar of sacrifice has fire in it. And if I'm telling you to get on a pathway, and I'm telling you I want you to walk on that path, do not get off to the left, do not get off to the right. So you walk into the sanctuary, and all of a sudden you see that pathway goes right through fire. You need to go through the fire. You see? Because we're sinners. We have all kinds of baggage in our lives. All kinds of them. Okay? So now look. Remember the story of the three Hebrews? Now remember, the Bible could have been huge. But God only put certain things in the Scriptures for us to see, okay? Certain things we needed. Look at the three Hebrews. The three Hebrews wouldn't bow down to that image, right? We shouldn't bow down to any image either. Anything that takes this throne away from God is an image, okay? It could be anything. It could be a girlfriend. It could be your clothes. It could be school. Did you know that? It could be your studies. could take you away from God. doesn't matter what it is. He says they wouldn't bow down to that image, right? They took them and they bound them. Look what happened. He throws them in there, and who's in there with them? So in other words, when you come to the gate and you see that the, the priest is there, that priest is going to walk you into where God is. So he's going to go right through that fire with you. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sins, right? So look what happens to the Hebrews. They're bound up, right? All of a sudden, what happens to them? What burns? The ropes, right? Did their clothing burn? No. What is the clothing symbol of again? Character, right? Didn't burn. That was not what the Holy Spirit was after. He was after the ropes that binds you. You see, we are tied by our sins. We're bound by our sins. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of our sins. When you and I experience this piece of furniture, by the way... Do you realize that Paul experienced that piece of furniture? In fact, he experienced it daily. So, as I'm sharing with you, a walk into the sanctuary in symbols. Okay, as I'm sharing this, just remember, we're dealing with something that takes place really in a moment, but it's a process that we're going through. Okay, and it might be you might be involving all of the sanctuary all at once. Okay, when the pre—I mean, sorry. When Paul said, "I die daily," that's where you and I need to be today. Because the Holy Spirit knows of things in your life. We have some seats over here if you want to use one. The Holy Spirit knows today what is in your life that if He brought you in, it would destroy you. So this is love, okay? It's love. It's not hatred. It's not because He doesn't want you to have a good time. He knows what is good and what is not. So therefore, this piece of furniture, reality, is the piece of furniture that each one of us needs to be at daily. And here comes the hard part. If there's not a sin in your life today that the Holy Spirit is working with you on, then you're not at that piece of furniture. Now, Matthew 7 says this, Straight and narrow is the gate that leads to life. Straight and narrow is the gate that leads to life. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Goes on to say, straight and narrow is the gate. Here's the gate, right here. Straight and narrow is the gate that leads to life. It's right here in the the back. It's a straight and narrow path. You can't get to the left. You can't get to the right. You've got to go through the piece of furniture. Straight and narrow is that gate. But if you decide in your life, you know what? I don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit. You've bypassed this piece of furniture. You're not on the straight path anymore. Listen to this verse. This is in Proverbs 16. It says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is what? Okay. No, we, we have a straight narrow path that a few go on, a broad road that a lot of people go on. And then you have this Bible text that says, straight, um, says there is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. So let's stop thinking about the wicked people in the world, Okay. We're not talking about them. We're talking about the ones on the path, okay? The one, the Christian world. We're talking about them, the ones who don't want to have Christ. They're not even in there, right? The one that seems to be right is the one who passes these and bypasses the working of the Holy Spirit in their life and goes straight to the Word of God inside the most holy, in the holy place. You see? you and I, the path that we need to take involves the courtyard. When you say that it was all done at the cross, just believe on Jesus and you will be saved. It's a true statement because it's scriptural, right? But when you sat in that chair, did you believe it would hold you up? You didn't worry about it, did you? No one had to tell you, you knew. That's believing, acting on what you know. You see how I'm getting at? You need to act on what you know. It's not just, oh, I believe it. Because the angels, I mean the devils, they believe. Did you know that? And they tremble. So here this piece of furniture, this piece of furniture is in the pathway. There is a way that seems right into the man, the end of his death. You and I could easily be on the broad road and not realize it. So here's the way you know. The Holy Spirit is going to tell you what's separating you from God. Now, I don't want you to talk to everybody else. Because who did I say was going to tell you? The Holy Spirit. Do you know that I could come up to you and I could tell you things? And I said, You know what, young lady? Da-da-da-da-da. And I, I can just tell you all kinds of things about you, which I, which I don't know, by the way. But um, I could just say all kinds of things about her. I can just destroy her faith. And she could throw up her hand and say, You know what? If that's what it is to be a Christian, walk out of this room and never step foot with God's people again. That's happened before, by the way. Because good-meaning people have tried to be the Holy Spirit for that person. Do you realize that there are things that I am doing that maybe you're not? Do you realize there's things that I'm not doing that you might be doing? So you might see what I'm doing, I might see what you're doing. My place is on my knees for you, and your place is on your knees for me. Because it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. Now, but wait a second. There comes a time that someone comes and asks you questions. For what you believe. You see? There comes your life as an example. What I'm trying to say is this, guys the Holy Spirit will convict you. That's why I said, the Holy Spirit, talk to the Holy Spirit. What is it in my life that's not right? You're going to find out. Now, if you're not, by the way, you do know this, that through eternity, I mean, sorry, throughout this life, we're always going to find things in our life. That we need to get rid of You know that don't you I mean we are that far from God We don't even know it Okay So don't think you've already arrived Okay You should never come to that point In your experience And if you ever do That's the person that needs to pray the most If you feel you've already arrived And there's nothing the Holy Spirit can convict you on You need to get on your knees Because there is Okay The Holy Spirit will show you What's separating you from God And that's his job by the way the Holy Spirit's job, He's on this earth. Remember? He's on this earth because He's here to show you and I the pathway back to God's throne. So that this piece of furniture here is the piece of furniture I want you to think about. That piece of furniture you need to be at every day. I have a saying back at school and some of them people here will know that and some of you may not, but i, I if somebody's... I walk into a room and I say, you know what, no one says happy birthday to me today yet. Well, some new student will say, it's your birthday. I say, it sure is my birthday. And somebody would run to the piano and they start singing me happy birthday, right? Well, that's fine. But it wasn't my earthly birthday. It was my birthday this morning. You see? Born again. You see? And that's my way of reminding the students, we need to be born again every single day. And so I walk down the halls of school. Somebody will walk over there and say, Happy birthday, Mr. Liner, whatever. And it reminds me, Oh, wow, I better make sure I'm ready. For, you know, I better make sure I go back to that. You need and I need little things like that to remind us we're in a battle against ourself. Okay? Now, this piece of furniture is where the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. If you're not being convicted... because you're missing this piece of furniture in your life. Now that you've been convicted of your sin, right? You want to get rid of it, right? It's going to be burned all up, right? That's what the fire is all about. Don't take it back again. Once you let it go, let it go. He's taking it away from you. It's gone. When you take that pile of ashes, can you take that pile of ashes and form that tree again? It's gone. So when he takes that sin from you, it is gone. You see what I'm talking about? Don't... Practice taking it back, okay? It's gone. But now you need to be born again, right? That's what the, the next piece of furniture is all about. You see, you're all dirty. You messed up, right? So you're taken through that water, right? And water cleanses you, right? And, and we get the idea that you're a new baby now. You're starting over, right? By the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to revert just a little bit. This piece of furniture, the priest used every day. Did you know that? When they were working for the sinner... They would wash their hands and feet before they'd work at the altar of sacrifice. Then they'd wash their hands and feet again before they'd go into the holy place. You see my point? They used it daily. It's a miniature symbol of baptism, right? And we have that ordinance today as well. It's called what? Foot washing. Do you know something? It's sad. Because this piece of furniture is a symbol of being born again. Foot washing. How often do we bypass that week in church? Anyways, I won't go there. This piece of furniture is very important. Now, you're a baby. A baby needs to learn to walk and talk, right? You know of any babies that were born that could actually walk and talk already? Some of you are adults who have had children. Did it take a while for them to walk and talk? If you're a new baby, don't you think you need to learn to walk and talk as well? You messed up before, so you need to learn it right. Let's see if I can get down to the next... Slide here that might be of some value to us while we're talking. Here we go. These two pieces of furniture, it's the first thing you come to when you come inside the sanctuary. Remember the arms there? So you're a baby now. You come through that door of truth and you stand there between these two pieces of furniture you're right there at the crossroads, right? Now, Psalms 119 105 should come into play here. Thy word, see, thy word is a lamp. Come on, guys. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light where? My path. What path? Remember, I've come into the sanctuary. I'm on a pathway. It's on that straight and narrow path. And I get to these two pieces of furniture, and it says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I am now being taught. you see why it's so important? See, if you bypass these two pieces of furniture, I'm sorry, the two out front, and come to these two pieces of furniture... If you bypass the courtyard, you are following the thief and the robber. Let me explain something to you. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd at the door of the sheepfold, right? And my sheep hear my voice and they know my voice. But he goes on to say, There is one who comes before me. He's the thief and the robber, right? He said he climbs in some other way. So you have the gate there. When you come in the gate, you have the altar of sacrifice. He climbs in some other way. He doesn't come through the gate. He comes in some other way, bypasses those pieces of furniture, goes straight in here to the holy place. Now, the bread, very symbolic. And I want to talk about this now to give you guys a very clear indication of something Lucifer has decided to do. Now, go back in time, all the way back to when Lucifer was not, um, was not an evil angel. Okay? He was created perfect. He had a job. And his job was, if right there, in the most holy place, he had a job. He was a covering cherub. Okay, so now you get the picture. Now let's now you're going to have to go back in time with me on this one. Okay, all of you are angels. Okay, you're in heaven as well. You love Lucifer. I mean, he's 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 the one right next to God. He's been around for, I don't know how long, but he, he, he's, he's been right next to God. He, he, he comes out and tells you what God wants and tells you things, you know. He's right there next to God. But Lucifer said in his heart, he says this. He says, I... He says, this is in the book of um, Isaiah 14. He says, I will ascend above the stars of God. Well, here's God... So he says, I'm going to ascend above the stars of God. In other words, I'm going to take God's place. I'm going to be higher. Okay? He says, I will ascend above the stars of God. He says also this. He says, I will also sit. Very interesting. Because the terminology sit, he says, I will also sit upon the mount of congregation on the sides of the north. This is Lucifer saying, I want to take God's throne, and I also want to take something else. Let's go back. The north side of the sanctuary is this piece of furniture right here. That's where you find the bread, the Word of God. Have you seen Lucifer trying to take the place of God with the Word? Did you know that was his plan all along? That's what he said he would do. You see, it's on the north side. And just so you know it's assembled. do you know that this is the place where Jesus was at before He moved into the most holy place? In 1844, we find He moves from the holy into the most holy place. You see, Jesus went to heaven after His death to sit beside the Father. Don't think that He went inside the most holy place after His death. Give you a clue... Everything that happened in the earthly sanctuary was given so, to us so that you and I can see what was going to take place in the heavenly sanctuary, okay? So don't worry about... I mean, don't be ashamed of the fact that we know when Christ moved into the most holy place. Because you know the earthly sanctuary? They knew when He moved into the most holy place. It was a set day. And they knew when He was... They gathered around the outside. They knew He went into the most holy place, so there's nothing wrong with me showing you when they moved into the most holy place. In fact, we find Daniel, chapters 8, um, tells us that under 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. This is where they went wrong. They thought the sanctuary being cleansed was earth back in 1844. But in reality, it was this sanctuary up here. But we find that this, this sanctuary here was to be cleansed. And that, so you have, there's no problem with knowing the time that he moves from the holy into the most holy place. But there will be a problem if you set a time for him to come out. Because the children of Israel never knew when he came out. Okay? There's never, you'd never know when Christ is going to come. In fact, it's described many times in the scriptures as being a a, a thief in the night and this sort of thing. But he says that you will not be overtaken if you watch. Right? All right, now, Lucifer goes to, I mean, Jesus goes to heaven. Sit beside the Father. Lucifer says, I want to sit someplace on the side of the north. Mount of congregation, very quickly, mount of congregation you find in the scriptures in several places. I'm going to key on a few of them. You remember the time that God was on Mount Sinai and He spoke the word to the congregation? You get the point? The mount and the congregation, right? Now, you remember when Jesus was on um, uh, there at Galilee and He was on the mount there, mount to the congregation? Right? The mount and the congregation. You get the idea? The mount and the congregation, right? In church, right? You had... The speaker today was up on the podium, right? The mount. Then who would you have below? The congregation. Lucifer wants that place. The mount of congregation is a place where the word is given out. And when I told you in Isaiah 66, I mentioned to you that Isaiah 66 refers to that from one Sabbath to the next... All flesh shall come worship before me. So visualize this is the pulpit, okay? Visualize God's people coming, all of the universe, coming to God's house on the Sabbath, sitting around the place where the word is given out. Jesus is sitting right beside the Father. You have two stacks of bread. That piece of furniture has a crown on it. A crown is a symbol of a king, is it not? That's the only piece of furniture you find in the sanctuary that has... Two crowns. Because there's where you find Jesus sitting beside the Father. You see what I'm getting at? This is what you find in, the, in early writings. It says that the Father gets up and He moves into the holy, most holy place. And then you find that Jesus gets up and He follows Him and goes into the most holy place, right? And then you have Jesus now standing beside, up in front of the Father. Then you find the company. There's a company that follows Him into the most holy place. But then there's a group that they stay here and Satan appears to take the place of the holy place. You see what I'm talking about? This piece of furniture here is the place where the God's word is given. That is the place that Lucifer wants to get. That's where God's word is given out. By the way, that's a throne. Right here in your heart. That's a throne. Who is on your throne? Who is on your throne? Are you? Are you saying this, that I will ascend above the stars of God? Are you saying this, I will sit upon the mount of congregation on the side of the north? Anytime that you say this to God, I know your scripture says this, but I think you meant this. You have now taken his word, changed it. You have taken the place that Lucifer wanted to take. You see, don't blame Lucifer. You see, you have a choice, and so do I. Now, this piece of furniture here, when, today, right now, if you imagine with me right now, we are setting the Word of God right now. Right now, this Bible being opened is a symbol of us sitting here, setting the Word of God. It's a symbol. Yes? Could it also be Jesus? Because in the beginning was the word of God's word. That's right. You can't separate the two. The question was, could it not be also Jesus? Because John says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Very definitely. You can't separate the word of God and Jesus. They're the same thing. That's his character. And by the way, we can't separate it from you either. Once it's written there. Remember the rich young ruler we talked about? The rich young ruler, he himself had been keeping the laws himself. It wasn't written there upon their hearts. How many of you have ever um, heard about the mark of the beast? All right, you should have a heavy hand raised here, okay? Now, the mark of the beast is something that's on the forehead or in the hand, right? Well, Hebrews says this. Hebrews says this, I am going to write my law upon your heart and mind. Chapters 8 and chapters 10 both says this, okay? So if I'm going to write my law upon your heart and upon your mind. Now, you remember? God didn't write the Bible. You know that, right? Remember? Who wrote the Bible? Holy Holy men of old, inspired by God, right? But when it came to writing the words upon the tables of stone, who did that? Holy men didn't do that, did they? God wrote it. So here you have the symbol. I'm going to write my law upon your heart and mind. So look and we'll see what God wrote in the first place. And you will see what he's going to write there. So now I can walk around this room. Now, if, how many of you are wanting God's law to written up, be written up on your mind? That should be every hand, by the way. Okay, it's not a trick question, okay? So now I'm going to come around the room with a magnifying glass, and I'm going to look and see where you're at, okay? I'm going to look at your foreheads, and I'm going to see... Will I see God's law written really on the forehead? It's kind of a symbol, isn't it? Don't worry about the mark of the beast either. It's not something someone's going to stamp upon your forehead. It's also a symbol. If God's symbol is his law, and his law is his character, what do you think the symbol of the mark of the beast will be? The The character of someone taking God's place. Right? Satan himself. So you don't want that that particular um, mark of the beast. Okay. Now um, the next thing. This this so the, the table of showbread. That's your place when you study God's word. You come there to learn, and the light here is to light the path. Right. The word is a lamp. You can't really separate these two. They're in line together. They're together. Okay. What does what's placed inside the candlesticks? Oil. Oil. What is the oil a symbol of? Holy Spirit. Okay. Now we're going to stop there for a moment. I'm going to take you to Revelation. I want you to see. In Revelation, you'll find that there are seven angels inside the holy place. The angels are about to come from the heavens above, okay? Each one receives a vial. There's seven angels. They're in the holy place. Where do you find seven vials? What are they going to do with the vials? They're going to pour where? Where? What's being poured? The Holy, the Holy Spirit. You see, in the end, the wicked will look at us and say, it's our fault. You see? That's when the decree comes out. The pl- you know, That's when the decree goes forth. Go out and kill that group of people because they're causing all these plagues to fall upon us. You see? That's the symbol of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that helps you understand the Word of God. You see? Now, so here you have these two pieces of furniture, but we have one more inside of here. This one here is called the the altar of incense. Now, it's very interesting about the altar of incense because you will find that the high priest worked at the altar of incense every day. By the way, he worked at the candlesticks every day as well. Do you realize that's part of the daily service? But on the Day of Atonement... He bypasses those two and goes right in the most holy place after he gets the, the um, coals from off the censer and the altar of incense, I should say. Now, look what happens on that piece of furniture. And then you, we're going to develop this thought here, okay? What they did when they, when they, on the 9 o'clock and at the 3 o'clock, they killed the lamb. Now, by the way, I'm just going to throw this in really quickly. I won't have time to go into detail you will realize that every step of the courtyard and the holy place was exactly the footprints of Christ. Okay? The killing of the lamb at 9 o'clock and at 3 o'clock were were symbols of what was going to take place to Christ when he came. That's where type and anti-type met together. Okay? Now, Jesus is the real lamb, okay? You will notice at 9 o'clock when they were killing that lamb in the morning, all those years is the exact time that they take Jesus, they stretch His arms out, and they nail Him to that tree. You see at 9 o'clock. Then from 9 to 3, all the people would come into the sanctuary with their lambs, right? The ones that were coming. So from 9 to 3, the sanctuary is open. Jesus hung on that cross between us and God. At nine o'clock till three o'clock. Then at three o'clock, they're closing the doors of the sanctuary. That service was to be over, and then they take another lamb and they kill it again. You see? Jesus dies exactly at three o'clock. The lamb was killed on the north side. Jesus was taken to the north side of Jerusalem where he was hung on the tree. I mean where he was hung on the tree. You see what I'm getting at? The details of the sanctuary are the steps. So therefore, when you are talking about God's footsteps and your footsteps to the sanctuary, you're going to find that they all represent something that you and I need to understand for sharing with others. Also, it helps us understand the belief of the heavenly sanctuary of what's taking place that we're going to talk about in the next meeting, the Day of Atonement, present truth. Okay? Now... This piece of furniture here is where they brought the blood in at 9 and 3, and they put it upon the horns. You ever heard of the books of heaven? Yeah, your sins are recorded in the books of heaven. Okay? The blood is placed there upon the horns, and then on the day of atonement is when they're going to clean it up. Now, the best way I can describe it is this Heaven has the record of people asking to be forgiven. Think it through. You have sinned, I have sinned. The Bible says we all have sinned. So every one of us should have some sins there represented there on the horns. We all should, okay? Now, on Jeremiah, also chapter 17, tells us that our sins are inscribed upon the horns of the altars, both altars, okay? That's where our sins are recorded, in the, bla- in the place of the blood upon the horns. These bl- the blood placed here upon those horns symbolize our sins being written in the books of heaven. So let's just go through this whole analogy really quickly here. Let's make the sanctuary make real sense to you and I. We have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The ways of our sin is death. So all of us here, we're under the penalty of of sin, which is death. We all need to die. We don't want to die. We have a substitute. Our substitute is Christ. Christ then is killed. And And our sins are recorded here... Okay? Christ dies, and our sins are recorded. This is referred to as the prayer altar. You see the smoke that would rise from here into the holy place, most holy place? That smoke represents the prayers of the saints. Now let's finish this thought. When you sin, you want to be forgiven. The blood being placed here is like God... I want to be forgiven for my sin. Okay? We're going to talk about how that's going to actually take place in the Day of Atonement uh, in the next section. session. But this is the prayer altar. What happened on the Day of Atonement? The high priest would come in with the blood of the goat. We talked about it already. And he would come over here to this piece of furniture. And he would stop here. And he would take the coals from off of this altar, place it in his censer. Then he would take and go put some incense on there and create a lot of smoke. Now, watch what happens. He would take off, before he does this, he would take off those garments that you see the high priest wearing and place upon himself the white robes. Okay? So now he's moving inside the most holy place and he goes to the Ark of the Covenant and he sits there and he casts the blood. He casts the blood upon the mercy seat eastward. Now, where would you be standing if you were at the Ark if you're casting the blood eastward say again you'd have to be on the back side of the ark to cast the blood eastward upon the mercy seat so what you find is the high priest must be moving around the backside. you might say well why is he doing that remember what Aaron, uh, Moses said remember Moses Talk to God right he wanted to see God right God says you can't see me so what does he do Puts him there in that rock, right? Then he covers his eyes and he passes him, right? And what does he see? His backside, you see? So you have the illustration of the priest not having all those gorgeous garments on and not standing right in front of God because he really wasn't the high priest. He was only representing what Christ was going to do on the Day of Atonement for the children of Israel. But Christ will stand in in His Father face to face in your place and in my place. Putting his blood upon the mercy seat. Now, we'll go ahead and stop here for prayer. Our loving Father, the time has gone quickly and I thank you so much for the time we've had. But Father, I pray that you will just open our hearts and minds as we have this break. Be with all the other lecturers, Father, as well. Be with all the students here that are all over this campus, Father, that we we want to see uh, joining of hands, Father. We want to see the experience that the disciples had on the um, on the day that they were in the upper room. We would like to see that happen to this campus and the campus of the, all the other schools that are here as well. In Christ's name we pray, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse,